you've seen the bulletin, the name of the sermon today, it's kind of an unusual thing for me because I don't generally get a sermon that goes with the, the, the day. The, the calendar day almost never seems to match up with what I'm preaching on. And today, the Lord gave me a message called being a Christian dad in a non-Christian world. And I thought, that's perfect. I'll, that's great. And I realized as I continued to write it that God wasn't intending it or necessarily aiming it at anybody any more than he was me. Because as I realized and as I studied and as I preached this thing to myself two or three times, I realized this was as much for me and maybe more than for anybody else. So it's kind of odd, but I'm glad. Now, <clears throat> the reason it's kind of odd for me, and, and maybe it's you, you've had some of this kind of same situation, is I grew up with a dad who was, uh, he had six children. I was the fifth of five boys, as I've told you before. And my dad had, uh, he wasn't one of those mushy dads, let's put it like that. See, my grandfather, my dad's dad, died when my dad was 14. So my dad became the, the man of the family at 14. He, he, he kind of just pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. He basically raised his little brother, uh, you know, working. He had to go to work at 14. And so at, when I came along, my dad had tried to be different with his boys. But then at, when I was two years old, my dad had major surgery. And so he began to really be kind of a homebody. He didn't do much. He didn't wrestle around on the floor with us. In fact, <clears throat> I'm not mad, I'm not complaining, but I can tell you that in my lifetime, I remember my dad telling me, I love you, exactly two times. Now, can you imagine growing up and that's all you get is two? And both of them were when he was delirious with fever, one of them he thought he was going to die. I'm thinking, well, at least he told me. I can look back on my life at 55 years old and I have exactly one time I remember my dad giving me a hug. Once. And that was when my other granddad on the other side, my mom's dad, passed away. And so I, I look back on those times, and I'm treasuring those because my dad, without meaning to, because he didn't know any better, he didn't have a dad role model, he was kind of cold, he was kind of distant. He was kind of one of those dads that said, look, I'm here, I told you I loved you once, that's enough. You know, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. That was kind of, his, his, kind of the way he, he did it. And so he kind of, dad, he did the dad thing from the easy chair, and he'd tell me how to fix something, and I'd go fix it and come back with it still broke, and he'd tell me how to fix it again. So I, I have to say, like I said, I'm not mad about that, but that was my role model. That was my experience. I look back at that, and I think, well, God, God was able to bring me to a new place. I was able to do, I hope I did better with my kids. Um, but I look at that and I think, you know, there's a lot of people in our neighborhoods, there's a lot of people in our world, their, their, their experience is far, far worse. I mean, we look around godly dads here in this room and we think, wow, I, that's, that's a, totally foreign to my idea. Well, think about those dads that are just completely gone. Mom's raising those children by herself. Or think about those dads that are abusive or those dads that are not just uh, cold and distant, but they're just flat out corrosive personalities, neglect, like I said, abuse. I think that's why it's so important for us to go to God's Word and find out God's Word, God's way, God's instruction for dads. And He does have it in there. Um, I want to show you a couple of those in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, Zerubbath will have it on the screen for you here in just a moment. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 21. Just a very short verse, but it says it very concisely. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Now, how many of you have ever felt exasperated? Most of us think, I'm not even quite sure what that means. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. 
Most of us have felt it. If you don't know what it, even if you haven't, the, another way of saying it, I, over here in the, I've got the Amplified Bible here as well. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Now, some of those words start to stick, don't they? That's what exasperate means. And so it says, God is telling fathers, don't do that to your children. They are soft, they're pliable clay, and while they're children, you can do that to them, sometimes even without meaning to. Let me give you another one, Ephesians 6.4. A lot of us dads love Ephesians 6.1, because that's the one that says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We got that one memorized. That's on the refrigerator. But Ephesians 6.4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, as I look at that, and it says provoking your children, there's a lot of ways to provoke children without even actually meaning to. So there's a lot of ways to deflate children. You can discourage a child. You can, can even exasperate a child. One of the most important ways, or one of the most obvious ways, I think, is when Child comes home one day, and it's like you're at summer camp, and dad's the, the scout master, and everything's going to be great, and we're going to go outside and play ball, and we're going to have a big time. The next day, they come home, they're expecting scout camp again, but now it's the Marine Corps. Get in there and do what I told you, boy. You know, that kind of thing. If you're different from day to day, you're going to exasperate your children. If you're different from moment to moment, you're going to confuse your children so bad, they're going to want to go over in a corner and just kind of sit there and wait and hope nobody notices them. Children can be easily hurt. Children, and it doesn't matter what age, your mom and dad can still hurt you when you're 40 and 50. You, 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 you can hurt, you can humiliate children, you can provoke children in so many, in so many ways. In fact, one of the most, this, this just kind of got to me this week, but one of the ways that I think you can most hurt your children is think of them as just kids. They're just kids. They'll bounce back. They're just kids. Kids are baby goats, okay, just so you know that. If you're calling your children kids, that probably means they're out in the yard eating grass. Now, some of you may have children, you're, you're, that was your growing up years, you were out in the yard basically eating grass, but I want to think of my children as children. They are the gift of the Lord. The Bible says that they are the heritage of the Lord, and blessed is he, he who has his quiver full of them. And so I want us to think about today, the way that God has instructed us to do it. Because we can, we can exasperate those children, or we can look at it the other side and realize there is no greater privilege than to lead our children. There's no greater privilege and responsibility than to teach and encourage our children. We have the responsibilities, dads, moms, but, but dads today, to parent. In fact, I love it this way. Some of us guys know what it means to be a coach. And we know what it's like to take that little hands and put it around the baseball bat just right. We know what it's like to show that child how to put their hands on the basketball so they can shoot it as far and, and, and right where that finger shoot, shoots it. We know what that's like to be a coach. It's our joy, it's our responsibility as dads to shape that son or daughter into a straight arrow, to constantly be making sure that that child comes out true and straight and fire them then from our place of safety out into a world true and strong and straight. Would you like to impact eternity? Would you like to know that you've changed the next generation? There's no better way to do that than to raise up a godly group of children and to raise up those people, those little people that God has put in your family, those children that God placed around your feet. So God's Word is going to help us with that, and I want to help you with that if I can as we look at this, how to be a Christian parent or how to be a Christian dad in a non-Christian world. 
And by the way, this is not six steps to perfect children. Because in case you hadn't noticed, there ain't no perfect children. Some of them still use ain't in a sentence. Just in case you're wondering, there's no such thing as five keys to successful parenting. But I can help you with these principles from God's Word. These principles will actually help you to give your children more of a safe place, more of a nurturing environment, more of a, 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 an admonition of the Lord, as the Scripture tells us. So here are some principles um, to help your children have an easier life and probably make it easier on you too. If you would be a, a Christian dad in a non-Christian world, let me tell you something, you're going to have to make up your mind in advance. You're going to have to decide before you get there to be a trainer. You're going to need to be willing to say, I am going to train my children. I'm going to train, my not, not, not the way that you train a seal. You know, how do you train a seal? You, you, you throw them a fish and you pat them on the head, you rub their, I don't know, I've never trained a seal, I've trained dogs, but that's the way you do it. You give them a treat, you pat them on the head, and if they don't do right, you whack them with a stick or something, right? Isn't that how you train a dog? Or something like that. That's not why you're going to train your children, but be aware, understand, be conscious of the fact that at all times, those little eyes are watching. At all times, those little ears are listening. And by the way, whether you intend for them to or not, they're learning from you, and they will end up imitating what they see in you. You go into someone's home or you go into a, a crowded restaurant sometimes, and you'll hear a little child just rip off a cuss word, I mean loud and proud. And mom and dad just kind of giggle and look at each other, and the whole rest of the restaurant's wondering, where did that child come from? came from the loins of that man and that woman right there. Where did that voice, where did that word, it came from him or her? or uncle, or aunt, or somebody. But they imitate. They are little, there's like little sponges. They will take it into their hearts. And so, Dad, it, the most important thing we can do is get involved with your son or your daughter to train them to be a useful, healthy, well-balanced adult. You know, sometimes we have people say, well, I'm just raising children. I hope you're not just raising children. Number one, you don't you raise goats. You rear children. You help them come up. And by the way, you're not rearing children. You're rearing those that will one day be an adult. Your goal is healthy, well-balanced members of society. Our problem today is a lot of people are raising children, and they raise up and they're 35 years old, and they're still children. And you wonder why our society's in such a mess. Well, that might be part of it right there. It's our goal to raise adults, not children. So my, my job as a dad is to show them the path that God wants them to walk. Show them the path that we are all supposed to be walking. So when you walk, when you walk, be training. Be training when you walk. That's the first thing is, is while you're walking. In other words, in the everyday activities of life, you don't have to be doing some super-duper hyper-intensive time of training. It's just when you're walking down the road. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 6 says it like this. Um, it, right after the Shema, it says that's the one that everybody seems to know from Deuteronomy 6. But right after that, in verses 6 and 7, the Bible tells us, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And then verse 7 says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, in the morning, in the evening, at the night, at the dinner table, at the breakfast table, when you're taking them to school, be training those children, be inculcating into them what you want to have in their hearts. That's our responsibility. And it isn't some special one-time hyper-intensive week of training. It's when you're just walking around through life, just dealing with your children. Positive or negative, by the way, they are going to imitate you. Positive or negative, they are learning from you. Positive or negative, you are training them. 
But not only when you're walking along, it's also when you're working. Be training those children when you're working around the house and around as you take them sometimes. Let those little hands go with you to the garage, Dad. Oh, I don't think I could do that. Let those little feet go with you to the hardware store. Oh, they'll grab everything. Yeah, maybe so. Let those little people go with you to the job site or to the backyard and, and, and train that little heart to work. Who do you want to train your children to work? Do you want to be some actor on the television or on the movies or, or some politician? Who do you want to be training your children? Train that little heart and mind to work. But brother Robert, if I take that child to the garage, it'd take me three times as long to fix that car. Yeah, and you'll probably lose three tools while you're at it. But you know what? Who do you really want training your children? Would you like them to have your work ethic or the Hollywood work ethic? Would you like them to have your work ethic or the work ethic of somebody that's going to train them that it's all about, gimme, 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 gimme. It's all free, right? While you work, train. While you walk, train. But also as you worship. You should be training your children Dads, it's our responsibility. I thank God for godly women and godly moms and godly wives who are taking their children to church even while that bearded uh, heathen stays at home. You know who I'm talking about. Somebody come to your mind right then. Some of you have dealt with that in the past. I thank God for those ladies, but guys, listen to me. It is our responsibility as dads to be the leader of our family taking your children to the Lord's house on the Lord's day to learn about the Lord. That is our responsibility. Let your children see you, Dad, as you praise and sing. Let your children see you, Dad, as you pray, and whether at home or at church. Let your children see you as you pay attention and participate in the things of the Lord. Nah, I'm too busy for that church stuff. I, I'll just send the kids on the bus, or I'll just send the kids to VBS, or I'll send the kids to camp. That'll be good enough. Really? You really want to send your children, that message? Because when you say that, when you tell them that, hey, you guys go ahead and go, i got more important things to do, what you've done is you've trained that child that there's lots of other things more important than church and lots of things more important than God and lots of things more important than the spiritual side of life, and they will learn that lesson. And, and by the way, do you really want to send your kids to heaven without you? Because that's what you're thinking about doing. Be a trainer. Be a hands-on trainer. Show them the path that we all should follow. But that also presupposes that you're already on that path. Are you trained yourself? Are you somebody that's already on that path, walking that path? You know, many people who are skipping church today have that mindset. Well, I know Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So I, can, I took my kids to church when they were little, and I know they're living like heathens now, but I know they'll come back. Oh, really? Train up a child in the way that he should go. Do you really think you'll get away with that when your children have seen you throw God's name around in vain and live like the devil? I'm telling you, friends, dads, it's important. We're never going to get away with that whole do as I say, not as I do thing. Choose on purpose in advance to be a trainer. You're always on duty. Number two, if you'd be a Christian dad in a non-Christian world, not only be a trainer, but be a strainer. Be a strainer. Listen, you've got to be that person who's willing to control and oversee and even have veto power over what gets into the hearts and minds of your children. You know, there's trash out there in the world. In fact, there's trash sometimes right inside churches. There's poison. There's junk. There's bad junk in this world. 
Whose job is it going to be to strain out the garbage to keep it out of the children's hearts and minds? It might be grandpa's, grandma's. But somebody's going to be on the job doing that. Dad is really, first falls to us, to filter out the poison. I mean, I just got to say, Dad, it's on us. God has given us the privilege. God has given us the job. God has given us the solemn duty to be the strainer for our children. So I want to know and decide in advance who my children are listening to. I want to know in advance what my children are watching or looking at. I want to know in advance when my kids are learning and how they're learning and what they're learning. I'm going to have to be willing and understand I'm on the job all the time. Dads don't get a day off. Did you know that? You're going to be dad the rest of your life. If you have children, you're making a big step towards being like God because God is always on the job helping, training, guarding, guiding His children. Well, guess what? As you become a father, you, you join in that same team. So be willing to be on the job, straining out the evils of this world. Your, char- your child's mind and your child's heart is not a garbage pail for this world. Don't let the world use them as one because, listen, the years of your control and the editorial content ability that you have are going to be short. Now, it used to be when kids grew up, they were, they were you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, and then they began to see things out in the world and began to follow other things, and, and you could train their little hearts and minds. In fact, even today, you can go into a school and you can have a, uh, maybe a survey or a paper, say, hey, who's the most influential person in your life? If they're 10, 11, 12 years old, they'll say mom and dad. And then the next one after that might be a friend or might be uh, uh, somebody at school or, or, or somebody even at church. That's 12, 13, sometimes even up into 14 years old. But you know what happens in 2019 when they get into the 15, 16, 17-year-old range? They stop listening to mom and dad and they start listening more to social media than they do to you. If you haven't trained their little hearts and minds as a little one to strain that garbage out, if you haven't been willing to say, that's evil, that's poison, that's bad, you know what? When they get to be 17 or 18 years old, they're going to be letting all that flood of filth in, and you're going to wonder, who are you and what have you done with my precious child? Who are you? I didn't raise you to think like that. I didn't raise you to act like that. By the way, that if you're going to do that and strain for your family, strain for your children, it presupposes that you're straining for yourself. In other words, this is another one of those places where you don't get to get away with do as I say, not as I do. I was at my brother Floyd's house, and y'all don't know Floyd, so I can pick on him a little bit. But I was at his house. My daughter, Zarebeth, was probably four, so Aaron would have been two. Susan was just toddling. We were there just having a big time. In fact, we were playing Nintendo. I mean, we were doing something real spiritual. We were playing, what was it, Mario, Super Mario Brothers. Three, the one where you can fly, you know. We were enjoying that because my brother could play it a lot better than me and we didn't have a lot of time. We had three little ones. Anyway, we're there and we all get tired of playing that game. We turn it off and Floyd turns on a movie. Well, Sonia and uh, Luann, that's my brother's wife, go in the other room to talk. And all of us kids and me and my brother are sitting in there watching this movie. And it happens to be a movie. I didn't know about it, but within five minutes, they're shucking their clothes off and bad things are happening. I'm thinking I've got a four-year-old little girl a a two-and-a-half-year-old little boy and a baby, I don't think this is something we need to be watching. I take my children, we go off in the other room, and I hear my brother say to his two daughters, Aletha, Sarah, go in the other room. He doesn't want them to see it either, but he wants to sit there and watch it. And he stood there, or sat there by himself and watched that movie. And I'm thinking, hmm, they're seeing that, Dad. 
So someday that's going to be all right? No, it's never all right. That's garbage. It needs to stay out of your life. Be a strainer. If you would be a Christian dad, be a trainer, be a strainer. If you want to be a Christian dad in a non-Christian world, also be willing to be a restrainer. I tried to make them all rhyme, Ron. It's, I may be strangling it a little bit, but uh, <clears throat> be a restrainer. I was talking about Miss, Miss Lala yesterday, or this whole week. Anybody who's ever had to watch a bunch of children, anybody who's ever had to babysit several children at once, anybody who's worked in a daycare knows that children just naturally have a way of getting out of control. I mean, you turn your back, and four of them are using markers on each other, and they're snipping each other's hair, and it's just amazing how quickly that can happen because children just have a way of getting out of control. And what's really, really kind of dangerous about that is they have no idea how quickly what they are doing can harm them. I mean, it comes even down to what they'll eat. It's not safe to take a toddler down the grocery aisle where the candy is. I mean, if you got your children in control, that's not a problem. Well, look at all the Walmart kids that are there, and you know what I'm talking about. Children don't even know how much they need to eat and how much they don't need to eat. Children don't know how much to watch. They don't realize that there's too much screen time. Children don't realize, in fact, as they get older, they, they don't realize there's too much to buy. There has to be somebody who's restraining them as they play and they explore. And listen to me, you show your love for your children more effectively and more consistently by setting up limits and constraints than you do by turning them loose. The boundaries that you set are what you use to show your children, this is why I love you, I love you so much, this is where we're going to stop. Clearly defined limits and boundaries. And because every child that's ever been born, except for one, has been born with a sin nature, each and every one of us, you can depend on it. Every child ever born needs somebody to be that restrainer. Because every child is born with a thing that's, I call it surges. Because suddenly in your life, Maybe you're 5, maybe you're 15, but suddenly something in your life will get so important that everything else revolves around it. You, you've seen it when they get boy crazy. Some of you that raise daughters. Some of you have raised sons and they get girl crazy and all of a sudden the whole world just starts to revolve around that. Or maybe it was when they were younger and it was when they first started playing football and the whole world starts to roll. Maybe it was when they first discovered, I can play this video game better than anybody. Wow, I can, you know, and they're excited about it. That surge of activity, somebody needs to be there to say, okay, we're going to restrain that. Because you don't need 14 hours of screen time every day. Because anything can be taken to an extreme and take over that little heart that needs to be a balance. So be careful. And there's a weakness for surges, but also in our children there's a weakness for urges. The temptation is there, whether it's candy and soda or girls and boys whether it's online time or screen time. So many things in our children's lives can have an addictive quality. And we've got to be willing to be there. It's our job as dads to be that restrainer. Someone has to be there to restrain, limit, and help them master those urges because they're going to come to them. And they're going to grow and be there all the rest of their lives, so help them with that. But not only urges and surges, but, but, but you can have a child warped through merges. Mergers, merges, merges works. Because nobody will be able to more quickly twist and warp your child than somebody that they spend time with that is not a believer or that is not somebody that's of good character. You know the old saying that bad character corrupts good morals? That's true. And if your child starts to spend time with somebody who they probably shouldn't be spending time with, you need to have veto power, Dad. 
You may have to run that little girl off. You may have to run that little boy off. Oh, that wouldn't be very nice. Somebody's going to have to be there. Somebody asked the preacher one time, Preacher, why are your kids so wild? Why are they running town like they are? How come they're so out of control? And he said, it's from playing with Deacon's kids. Now, I'm pretty sure that wasn't true. Pretty sure it was the other way around. But moving right along, Dad, you are the adult in charge. You have the responsibility to be the restrainer. Don't feel bad if you have to tell them, no, you can't spend time with that person because the more time they spend with them, the more they're going to bend towards their way of doing things and you want your arrows to be bent and twisted and warped? Just let them play with whoever. Just let them spend time with whoever. Just let them watch whatever. No, you have an opportunity in this time of their life to straighten them out and keep them straight. Be careful of their mergers, who they're going to merge with. And by the way, Dad... Don't think that you'll, rest- you'll ever succeed in restraining evil in your children's life if you're also welcoming evil into your own life. Who are you spending time with? So number one, train. Number two, strain. Number three, restrain. Now give me a couple of don'ts. God never called you to be an entertainer. So men, don't think that God called you to be an entertainer. You were not put into your child's life to be the chief clown. That's okay if you can make funny voices and nice faces, but God didn't call you to be their chief clown. God didn't put you into their life to be their number one party planner. And as you get older, or they get older, that is, God didn't, I don't care what the child thinks, God didn't put you in their life to be their ATM. God did not, was that an amen from the, God didn't put you in their life to be the one that provides for them a cell phone. There's just things that, that we have kind of decided, well, Dad does that. God gave you to them because your children need a father. God gave you to them because children need an authority figure placed there by God to lead that family. And you know what? If you're the leader, you're probably going to be the first one to get the arrows. As you you continue to lead your family, they're going to throw rocks at your family. Who's going to be the first one they hit? It's going to be you. The first one they call backward. The first one they call crazy. The first one they call different is going to be the leader. That means if you're to lead the family as God called you to, you're also going to have to be a leader who is brave because the leader has always got to be brave. But also the leader is the one that charts the course. Now, now I have discovered, you know, it's like the, the old saying, the, the husband is like the head, but the wife is the neck. So the, the husband gets to chart the course, but the wife kind of has a, a big part to play in that. Isn't that right, Barty? You've, yeah. God calls you men to chart the course. It gives you great helpers and great, great good uh, uh, counsel. But it's going to be that leader who blazes the trail. And then if you're going to blaze a trail and make it clearly marked out so that your children can follow, it's got to be solid. It's got to be straight. It's got to be true. A leader who is wishy-washy, a leader who is uncertain, a leader who is timid, that family is going to be in trouble. In fact, you can look at businesses, and if you see a leader who is, who is timid and uncertain and wishy-washy, that business is going to be in trouble. You can look at a nation, and if that nation has leaders that are uncertain and timid and wishy-washy and all over the place, that nation is... In fact, you can look at any church, and if that church has leadership that is timid or wishy-washy or uninvolved or uncertain, that church is in trouble. God placed you there, men, to lead. Number one. But secondly, also, not only just to lead, but to listen. You need to be willing and able to listen to your family. Dad, you don't always have all the answers. You need to let your wife 
help you. Give her the, 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 the opportunity to be the, the partner, the full partner that God made her in your life. But then also, you need to let your children ask questions. You need to let your children talk. I was raised, Jeff, I don't know about this, you, but I was in that generation where children were supposed to be seen and not heard. You know, you're supposed to sit and listen while the old folks talk. Brother, that's not how it is now. But you need to be willing to let your children have a safe place to dream and ask and question and talk and, and share. Because sometimes the very best ideas come from the youngest minds. It's amazing. Some of the funnest games we ever played. In fact, when Miss April was talking about sock wars last week about children's camp, I thought, we used to do that. We'd stuff a bunch of socks in an old sock, and we'd tie them up and sh shoot them at each... Well, anyway, we didn't dip them in anything. We'd just throw them and have... You remember that, Aaron? Yeah, he was always the one we picked on because he was the only boy <clears throat> moving right along. Lead your family, listen to your family, but listen, God puts you in that family also so that you can learn also, so you can learn together with your family. There are things that God can only teach you, sir, about life within your family. There are things that God can only teach you, Dad, about love from within that family. There are things that God can only teach you about liberty and the limits of liberty inside of that family. So sure, go ahead, have fun. Be silly once in a while. Be crazy on occasion. But listen. Before you get to be dad, God called you, God created you to be father, to be that servant leader for your family. Second, don't. Don't be an entertainer. Don't be an explainer. And really, it wouldn't rhyme, but it probably would be better if I said don't be an excuse maker. Because so many parents have gotten into that where they believe, hey, it's my job to cover it over and make sure my child is never in trouble, make sure my child never feels any of the consequences for their actions, and so they make excuses. I'm here to tell you, don't try to make excuses for the naughtiness of your child. You might need to apply the board of correction to the seat of knowledge. Now some of you say, do you still spank your children? Now my son is 33. He doesn't need spanking anymore. Isn't that right, 33, am I there? Do I need to spank you? Okay. Somebody asked Lou, you know who Lou Ferrigno used to play the Incredible Hulk way back in the day? Somebody asked him one time, when did you stop spanking Lou? And the dad said, well, when he started being able to bend 16 penny nails with his fingers, I figured it was time to let it go. That'd be the time I'd stop spanking, I guess. But the fact is, don't be an explainer because if you start explaining away the naughtiness of that child, what you're telling that child is, I can get away with anything. Don't try to explain away the meanness of that child because if you don't train that out of them now, they're going to be mean the rest of their life. Don't try to explain away the pettiness of a child. And probably the most important thing I can say here is, don't shield that child from the consequences of their actions. Because sometimes consequences are the most effective teachers. Oh, but they might get hurt. Yeah, and maybe the next time they won't do that. Well, what if they lose some friends? That's the way they learn. Don't get caught being that helicopter parent who comes in. Oh, Throckmorton brought home an F on his report card. I'm going to have to go down there to that school and line that teacher out because I know Throckmorton's a lot more intelligent than that. And you go down there and you just give that teacher what for. And Throckmorton shouldn't have got this F. Well, Throckmorton is 22 years old and senior in college. I think Throckmorton ought to have gotten an F if he deserved it. But so many people have played that helicopter thing and we've 
rescued our children right into being children when they ought to be adults. Because once we choose, we, we receive the consequences of our choice. See, I'm not free to choose. I'm free to choose my actions, but I'm not free to choose the consequences of my actions. And once we get our children realizing that, that you choose to do this, there's consequences that come with it. Guess what? The consequence comes along with the choice. Once a child learns that, he's got a leg up on a lot of other people. In fact, you can train your child. Let's say you've got a blue-eyed, blonde-headed little boy who wants to go to a talent show and, and, and imitate Elvis Presley. Now, he don't look much like Elvis Presley, blonde hair and blue-eyed, so what does he want to do? He wants to go down to the store and get some rinse and rinse his hair jet black. And so here he is, a seventh grader at the grade school or the high school, wherever, and he goes down and he gets a box off the cabinet of the counter there and he rinses it all black and he does Elvis Presley and he goes to wash it out and he didn't check the carton. And for three months, he's got black hair. I won't tell you who that happened to, but it's a true story. That child learned a valuable lesson. Always read the carton before application. But in closing, let me give you one more quick do. Be a sustainer. In 2019, I believe probably the most damaging social issue that we have is not drugs, it's not porn, it's not LGBTQ and all that side of things, the 2% of the population that are screaming the loudest. It's not liberal versus conservative. The most damaging thing in our society today is dads who are absent. And then some of them are even in the home, but they're just absent. They don't care. They don't lead. They don't connect. Listen, Dad, because of where God placed you in your family, you have the right to expect obedience, but you need to earn respect. Dads, you need to deserve their love. You need to inspire their following. Yes, you can have a right to expect their obedience because you're bigger and uglier than all them put together. Or maybe not. Maybe you're prettier than all of them put together if you have ugly children, but I don't know. But you need to earn that. Because bottom line, if you want to be a Christian dad in a non-Christian world, it's all about relationship. You can try to build a relationship by rules, but I guess what? Until you've already got a relationship, those rules will just be something that turns them off, that hurts them, that drives them away. You can try to build a relationship by rigid regulation and, 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 and restraint, but rigid regulation really can only come after relationship because rules, regulations without relationship will lead to exasperation. That's how you provoke your child to wrath. Children need a relationship, and so do you, Dad. So do you. You know, Jesus didn't come into this world to give us rules. He didn't come into the world to give us regulations. He didn't come into this world to even give us religion. Jesus came into this world to give us relationship to offer a relationship to you. He went to the cross, died in our place so that we could have His righteousness, so that we could have a restored relationship with Almighty God. That was the plan. It wasn't relationship plus, it was relationship period. And I'm here to tell you that that's what He still wants. And so for all of us, the question is, do we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And because we've had Vacation Bible School, remember, you admit that you're a sinner. That's how you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You, re you repent of your sin, believing that Jesus came and took your sin upon Himself, died upon a cross, gives you the gift of righteousness when you ask for it, and then you confess Him as Lord. These the ABCs. Have you received His gift? And I know most of us have. But if you haven't, this is a great day to do that. He would be willing, and He's ready to give you that gift today. But, but maybe today, what you really need is a dad reboot. Maybe it's time for fatherhood 2.0.
you know, get that new, new thing, put it in the, the hardware here. You may not can go back and fix all the mistakes you've made as a dad. Maybe your children are all grown. But I tell you what, you can begin again today. How do you do that? How do you begin again today? Same way you got saved, by repentance and faith. Father, forgive me for my sin. Father, heal the wounds that I myself may have inflicted. Father, turn me from my problem and from my sin and from my evil ways. Repentance is not just about, I'm going to turn, okay, I'm going to go this way. Repentance is, I admit my sin and then I quit it. If you can see something in your life you need to quit, listen, admit that it's a sin, admit it, and quit it. That's what repentance really is. And so Some of us need to do that. Some of us as a dad can look back and say, I see where I failed, I see where I need to do better. Would you have the intestinal fortitude to go to your children and say, guys, I've been doing my best, but I've been blowing it. See, this is where I think, as much as anything, God gave this message to me because there's some things I need to say, look, I've been blowing it. Didn't realize it at the time, doing the best I could, but I, it's time for me to just go ahead and admit it and quit it. And with God's grace and with God's help, that's what's going to happen. Let's pray. Thank you.